Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode 146 with Daniel DiPiazza of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Go, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to another episode. My name is Nathan Chan. I'm the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine, and I'm coming to you live from hometown Melbourne, Australia. I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate your attention and sharing your earbuds with me. I know you're going to love this episode. You're in for an absolute treat. Uh, today's guest, his name is Daniel D. Piazza. And uh, this is a really interesting one, and it was a ton of fun. You can see that uh, me and Daniel vibe really well and get along really well because we're really, really great friends. Um, I know this might sound a little bit corny, but... He's probably one of my best friends that I've met online. Uh, because I'm out of you know Melbourne, Australia, because most of the people we interview are in the States, because that's where our biggest customer base is, our biggest audience base, that's where it's all happening, I tend to find myself uh, on Skype late nights, early mornings, always speaking to people, networking, learning, connecting, and really understand, you know, what it takes to build and grow a successful business. And and part of that is, you know, reaching out to people. And that's something that I'm quite aggressive on. And I'm, um, I've been lucky enough to, you know, not only interview all these amazing guests that you get to hear on the podcast, but also 
um, just connect and really just uh, talk shop and learn from other really smart founders and entrepreneurs. And uh, Daniel is one of them. You know, when I first launched the magazine, I remember I, reached, I actually reached out to him. He uh, he runs a company and a blog called rich20something.com. And I reached out to him and uh, we've become great friends since. So that was in the first couple of months that I started Founder. And it's been awesome to see his growth and progression over a long period of time, you know, because um, we've been Founder for four years now. So uh, it feels like we're getting old. But uh, anyways, uh, that's enough about how Daniel and I know each other. Um, so this is a really great interview. If you've ever wanted to know how to get into industry publications, not if you're in the entrepreneurship startup space, you run a SaaS company or whatever, but, you know, you run a health-based business or you run a, you know, physical product-based business and you sell tea or whatever, whatever you sell, you know, getting PR, getting um, to be able to contribute to guest publications is really, really key. And this is something Daniel's a master of. Uh, so we really, really delve deep, very, very deep on that. He actually also has launched a new book called actually the name of his company called Rich 20 something. I highly encourage you to go check it out and go to rich20something.com forward slash book. And uh, we talk about life, we talk about business, we talk about hiring, you know, you name it. It's a really great conversation and I know you're going to enjoy it. Uh, before we jump into the show though, I just want to let you know, if you have been following along, we are getting very, very close to launch our, one of our new uh, courses, products, initiatives, and this is going to be the future of Founder. If you're listening to this, you know, two years from the past, I can't wait to see what uh, the Founder platform looks like. I anticipate we will have maybe 100 courses taught by influencers. We'll see how we go, but um, that's the path we're going. It really, really excites me. So we're producing content at scale, free content and premium content at scale. The premium content is the courses, and we produce courses from surveys, from surveying you guys, finding out what your biggest problems are and where we can help, and then we find an influencer that's a master of that problem, whether it's hiring, whether it's you know growing your email list, whether it's Facebook ads or paid traffic, whether it's how to start an online e-commerce business, which is the course that we're working on. It's the first one. If you want to know how to do that, you want to sell physical products, and you want to learn from someone that's a master, uh, then make sure you sign up. Go to foundermag.com, F-O-U-N-D-R-M-A-G.com forward slash e-commerce, and you can sign up to the wait list, and you will be notified when that course goes live. All right, guys, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. So the first question I ask everyone that comes on is, how did you get your job? <laughs> Do I have a job? Yeah, if you want to call it that. I guess. Um, you know, it's interesting, man. I, For a while, I thought that that I didn't want a job. And, and then I realized that jobs are okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I just want a job that I love. And so... I, the job that I have now as CEO of Rich 20 something is different than what I thought it would be. I thought that leaving like the typical work world, I was going to just hustle forever and be a, you know, a freelancer or just take little part-time things here and there just to not have to have a schedule. But now I've kind of built that whole history of learning how to hustle into an actual career where I run a business teaching people how to break out. So I don't think that there was like one specific thing that led me to be the head of this company, but it is a culmination of a lot of different experiences. Yeah. Can you tell us about those experiences? So how, how do you find, how, tell us about 
you know, how you find yourself doing the work you're doing today. Give us a background and if you can go deep and, and even tell great, like, you know, stories of, of those moments, that'd be great as well. Yeah, man. Um, it all started at a hospital in Detroit, Michigan. No, um, look, <laughs> it all started, you know, I was talking about this with a friend the other day and I grew up in a very, very middle-class family. Like I would say, middle of the middle class. So not lower middle class, not upper middle class, just straight middle class, like had enough for what I needed, didn't suffer, but we, we didn't have that much stuff. And you know what I think? I think that that's surprisingly one of the more dangerous positions to be in, because when you're in a very solid middle class bracket, the number one thing that you feel is comfort. Everything is taken care of for the most part. You don't have everything that you want but you're comfortable. And because of that comfort and because like, you know, my, my family was relatively comfortable, it doesn't really encourage you to reach for, for much more because to reach for more would, you know, cause struggle. And that sucks. I think that there are even some cases where being born at a disadvantage, having less money, like being really poor can actually encourage you to work harder. Whereas if you're right in the middle, sometimes you're not encouraged. So for me, I almost, I, I almost had no plan rolling into adult life. You know, I, I went to a, a great high school and I took really hard classes. So I graduated college early. I graduated college around at 20 after traveling for a bit, uh, studying abroad. And then I just kind of all of a sudden was in my 20s and I thought, okay, well, I'm supposed to do something now. So I just started working regular jobs that paid me an hourly rate. And I didn't even have much more of a plan in front of me than six months ahead. Uh, which I'm now realizing is a very common experience with millennials and with our generation. And, uh, and then there was this growing sense of, of dissatisfaction as I went from job to job. I, I worked a bunch of different jobs. I worked, man, I worked as a, um, like a retail clerk at a museum, at a science museum. I worked at UPS delivering packages with those short brown shorts and a very, <laughs> and a very cute button up shirt. Oh, I was, I was sexy, man. I hopped in and out of that truck. Uh, I had boots. It was great. I worked at uh, multiple different restaurants. I did all this different stuff and I was never unhappy, but I was never consistently excited about my life. I was kind of just going through the motions and kind of collecting money and paying for whatever bills I needed. And then it got to this point, I was working at a restaurant, I was working at Longhorn Steakhouse in Atlanta, and it got to this point where I was just, I, you know, I showed up at work one day and I was just intensely irritated. And it wasn't anything specifically that happened that day, but it was just, it was just, a culmination of a few years of just doing things that just very annoying. And, um, I made a decision that day that I was going to make a change. I was going to try to figure out this whole money thing. I don't even know what I thought that meant at the time, but I'm like, you know what? I, I've had enough. I've had enough of being back here, scooping butter. You know, I, I was supposed to be this really smart kid in high school. I got all these, you know, great classes and I graduated school early and people have this, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, faith in me and I'm still doing this. Like, what am I doing? You know? And at the time I was, um, 22, 23, still very young. And, uh, and I decided, you know, what? I'm going to try to figure things out. So from that point on, it didn't necessarily get easier, but the mindset shift that I had was what allowed me to do the next step. So I didn't actually gain any more skills, but the changing the mindset helped. And then from there I started, rather than looking at things that were holding me back, I started looking at opportunities. Okay. What, what can I do if, if I don't want to do these, these nine to five jobs, like what are my options? Well, first option I can do, like I can try to go really big in, in a corporate job. Like if I want to make more money and have more opportunities, I could just try to get a six figure job. 
And I thought about that. And I'm like, oh man, you know, my friends are doing that. I just, I, I can't, there's nothing that really appeals to me there. I can't think of anything I'd, I'd like to do there. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I could go back to school and try to get maybe a, I could be a lawyer. That's an option. I'm good at writing. I can argue pretty well. Maybe I'm a lawyer. Maybe that's what I am. Maybe I'm a lawyer. I got lawyers in my family. Maybe that's what I am. Ah, man, I don't want to, I don't want to go into debt for that. I just can't see sitting in more school. Plus, honestly, law school sounds boring. So, you know, so then I was kind of stuck. And I thought, all right, well, maybe, maybe I can do something on the side for myself to make money and see if that works. And maybe I can just kind of like gradually like stick my toe in the water and then my whole foot and see what happens. And so that's what I started doing. And I, uh, I started off freelancing by teaching college test prep, uh, SAT, ACT, and gradually it started working. And you know, we can talk about the whole progression from there to now, but that was my first taste of, of freedom. And I kind of turned it into this self-perpetuating engine that brought me to, you know, owning a company now. Yeah, I see. And when it comes to, um, you know, that first idea that you had around the test prep, because you didn't, did, you said you've graduated college early. So what were you studying? I was studying communication, which is basically nothing. <laughs> Let's <laughs> <Gotcha. laughs> be honest, it's nothing. Gotcha. So um, how'd you come up with the test prep idea? Because I think people will really um, appreciate, you know, how you came up with the idea and, and what process and steps you went through to validate it. Well, so a few things, and this is one thing I tell people um, in my book and in my classes, one place you can look for ideas about, about what you can do for yourself is just places you've worked at in the past. A lot of times, jobs hire you to because either you already have a skill or they hire you and then you develop a skill there and the skill is what's worth money the job pays you based on the skill and obviously some skills are worth more than others but when i was in college i taught sat and act test prep because that was just something i'm good at i've always been good at taking standardized tests if you give me a test i can get a very good score even if i'm not 100 percent sure about what's on the test because i know how to take tests as well um, i'm good at like eliminating bad answers and just finding the right ones and so, so I taught that in college, I, I kind of worked for a company called Kaplan, which does this test prep. And so I realized, okay, that's a skill that I have it. When I was in college, it paid me maybe 15, 20 bucks an hour, which was a lot of money at the time um, for me. But I realized, man, if I can do this for myself, I could probably make much more because I know Kaplan is charging these families 80 to a hundred dollars an hour for me to be at their house teaching them. And I'm only getting, you know, 18 to $20 of that. So if I can charge the 80 to hundred, I can cut out the middleman. So you can start looking at jobs that you're already doing, and a lot of times you'll find skills just based on things you've done in the past. Mm, I see. So you had this test prep idea. Um, how'd you start? So the first thing I did was I thought, okay, well, there are a couple ways I can go about this. The first way is I can, I can say, you know, I'll go up, I'll put ads out on Craigslist, or I'll go to the grocery store and I'll put a flyer up. You know, these are all the things that people try and then they don't work and they say business doesn't work They're, or they'll do like, you know how they, I don't know if they do this in Australia, but they'll put like, like, uh, like flyers on under the windshield wipers on cars, like that type of BS. And you're like, and you never look at that. You're always like, Oh, get this off my car. I don't Or It's like, it's wet <laughs> from the rain. So it sticks onto your car. Uh, this whole marketing, you know, um, in my, in my apartment complex, there's a, uh, there's a cleaning service that literally litters the ground with their flyers. And I'm like, this is the antithesis of cleaning. You're, you're, you're not proving your point here. You're littering. Anyway, I didn't want to do any of those methods. I, those never worked um, in my eyes. And I never responded to those in my personal life. So I thought, okay, I'm not going to do that. So I thought, okay, well, what's the easiest way for me to get clients 
uh, if I don't have any. And I realized there are a lot of people who already had my ideal customer that were serving them in a different way. And if we partnered up, we could both help them and we could both help ourselves. So I, th I thought to myself, all right, well, first of all, and this is something that you can do um, with yourself if you want to validate your business. You say, okay, who already has my target customer? So first of all, thank you, your target customer. My target customer, not the children, not the students, but the parents. Parents are the ones paying, right? Mm. Um, so I thought, all right, well, where are parents already going to get advice and information about, you know, graduation, about, about college admissions? And I realized that there are lots of private admissions coaches and admissions counselors out there that help families to package their kids to get them into school. This is a very common, common practice thing, especially if the kids want to go to more elite schools, which is good because usually they have some more money. Uh, not all the time, but usually. So I started looking up the different the different um, consultants who helped these uh, these kids get into school. These different kids get into admissions councils and stuff. And what these what these consultants do is they'll help package you, but they don't teach you test prep. They usually send you to an outside company and they say, "Listen, in order to get you into the school, we're going to need you to get your scores up. So go to Kaplan or go to Princeton Review or there's other places that teach this test prep." So what I said was, "Guys, you know, I would approach them and say, "Listen." Rather than you outsourcing the stuff and sending it to other, you know, other agencies, I'll come into your business and I'll kind of like be your in-house test prep guy. You just pass off your clients to me. I'll pay you 50% of the commission, which is a very high commission. And not only will you make money, but you'll get to look awesome because your business will now have somebody that does this in-house um, mm -hmm. and we can share clients that way. And so instantly overnight, I found just two people who were doing this, these, these private admissions consultants, I pitched them. I wasn't very good at pitching because I didn't have any experience, but they kind of like, I kind of like fumbled out my words and kind of like, right, well, maybe you could do that. They, but they understood the idea that I was talking about. They're like, oh, it's a pretty good idea. Let's try it. They sent me some clients. It worked. And I, we built from there. Yeah, no, that's, that's really, really smart. And you did this all while you were still working at Longhorn? Yeah, I was. Yeah. So it was a very there was a very short overlap because I did it while I was while I was still working, and I remember having the idea to leave the restaurant sometime in like April or May, and then I started this started to work sometime around June of that year, and I definitely hadn't I don't think I'd proven the model yet, but I'd started to get some initial results, so I quit immediately from Longhorn. Like I'm going full time, full time, yeah, wow. uh, which wasn't something that I would recommend now, but yeah. Yeah, wow, interesting. Um, and when you say wasn't something you recommend now, what do you recommend for someone that wants to start a business, doesn't know where to start, they're in the idea validation stage or just idea conceptualization, coming up with ideas? At what point do you leave? When do you know to leave? You still got to you know pay the bills, rent, etc. So that's a really good question, and um, people ask ask this question a lot because I think that. It makes you nervous. This is kind of like a question I used to ask myself when I first started working out at the gym. And you know this because you're training at the gym all the time now. And uh, <laughs> one, one, trying, one question bro. I always try and yeah, me too, man. I've been so busy. I've been not going as much as I usually do. But one, one, uh, one thing that I was always unsure about when I first started lifting weights was like, okay, when do I know that it's safe to add more weight on the exercise, you know, because I didn't want to hurt myself. Before, before I, before I like kind of understood weightlifting, I thought if I put too much weight on, I'm gonna, I might die. So I need to be careful. So I never knew when it was okay for me to increase the weight. And so it was always a, a very weird, a weird like transition. 
it's kind of the same thing with entrepreneurship. When you're first starting off and you're inexperienced, you don't really know when it's the right time to transition. And as you as you get a little bit more experience, you'll have a better feel for it. You're not always going to be right, but you'll have a better idea. So now, you know, if I'm working on a business um, and it's starting to blow up, I have a better idea of when it's time to make the leap. But at that point, I didn't. And here's what I figured out since then. Because obviously, I, I took a, a risk early and it paid off. I took a gamble, but I, I don't recommend that. What I recommend now is you start off, whatever your business is, you start off as a side business, whatever your regular job is. And then when you can make about 60%, 60 to 70% of your income on your side business uh, that you do with, with your regular job consistently for a few months, then you know it's safe to switch. And you know that that extra 40, 30 to 40% is just something that's, that's missing because you can't put the time in. And if you can replace the time that you're working at your regular job and put that into the business, then you can probably make not just 100%, but 120, 130% that you're making at your regular job because you need all those hours back, you know? Mm, yeah, I love that analogy as well about the gym and not knowing when to put on more weight. You just don't, but you just, you know, that's awesome. And I like about uh, minimizing risk. You know, I was talking to one of my mentors um, literally last night and you know, I was giving him a situation and he said, you know, number one rule, always minimize risk as much as possible. And uh, he actually showed me a book that he highlighted, Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. And it talks about, you know, all these, you know, billionaires like Richard Branson and Ray Dalio and stuff. They, you know, Tony Robbins said to, to Tim that, that all they focus on is minimizing risk as much as possible. Yeah, I think that, um, I think that that perspective is a result of having taken a lot of calculated risks in those particular cases, though, like, Calculated risks, meaning they do minimize downside, but I think that now because they've those people you've named, Ferris, Robbins, Dalio, have already achieved so much, they have nothing to gain from getting from making huge risks. Whereas mm. there are some instances where, as a beginner, you're gonna have to take a bigger risk that does have some downside, but sometimes you need that big burst in order to make a change. But whereas if, when you already have a billion dollars, the only thing you can do is lose money, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point too. Yeah, you know, I agree. I agree. But you are still minimizing your risk. You didn't go, sure. yeah, you didn't go all in straight away. Well, I did, but I don't recommend that. Um, yeah, gotcha. It happened to work out for me, but I also think that there's a lot to be said for like timing. And there is, when you put in effort, the amount of effort you put in plus the timing, there is some luck involved. doesn't mean that I'm like more lucky than other people or luckier than other people. Everyone has a bit of luck, but I, I don't discount the fact that it, there was definitely some luck involved. I got some good clients in the beginning, which gave me some breathing room, and then I got to get going. But not everyone has that, and so minimize the risk. Yeah, no, I love that. Awesome. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk about you did the test prep, and then eventually along the way you started Rich 20-something. And tell us about how that came about. Tell us about your book and some other cool stuff you're working on, man. Yeah, man. Um, okay, so this is how this is how I see it. We, you know, the, the test prep kind of just confirmed the fact that I can do things on my own. I don't need someone to pay me. I can pay myself or I can figure out how to pay myself. Um, and then I kind of I progressed to a point where I'm like, okay, well, great. I'm I'm doing this by myself. I don't need a I don't need like a like a boss. I can figure this out. But then I thought, you know, what? I want some more flexibility. So then I started to to work with some things online, and I thought I started to basically just freelance, but online. So I started to do 
web design and different like just different online jobs using places like Upwork used to be Elance now it's Upwork and a bunch of other places and and just as like a side project as a as a hobby I started writing about the things I was doing because I've always loved writing I didn't expect to make any money with the writing I just wanted to document what I was doing so I started writing about different little ideas and insights that I'd gotten and uh, and then eventually the the writing just did well enough to where people started paying attention I got featured on like Huffington Post and Under 30 CEO and just because I was writing and that built a small audience around me and I realized that people wanted to know more about how I was doing what I was doing and then I started to think well maybe there's an actual business in teaching people how to do what I've done like maybe instead of being a freelancer there's actually value in teaching other people how to how to become this but I'd done it I'd done it first it wasn't just I didn't just come up with the idea to teach freelancing without having done it I thought maybe there's value in, in teaching this stuff so rich 20 was born in november 2012 and uh, i mean literally i like, just bought the domain in november 2012 maybe i put up one post but really started going pretty hardcore in 13 and over the last four years now uh, i've just been working on building my audience and finding things that will help them along the way i'm a much different person now at 28 almost 29 i mean 29 in about a month and a half here I'm a much different person now than I was then, but it, it kind of all stems from the ability to wanting to help people. A lot of things, I took a lot of notes there, quite a few things I want to ask you, but just on that last one, you said you're quite a different person. How so? What's yeah. changed? I think, I think around 28, I think right around 28 or maybe 27 and a half is where I, I started to feel like a real adult. If that makes sense. I started to feel like, um, like I was building a career because I think that up until up until really eh, like middle of 2015, I wasn't really sure if Rich 20 something was was a thing that I was just doing until it was the next thing or or if it was like a real a real thing that I was going to continue with and like build it up and sell it or or have some sort of part two to it. And then once I got the this book based on all the writing I'd done and the audience I'd built and social media, which I have a lot to thank for you for that, and email lists. And once I'd built this community around this idea, it didn't make logical sense for me to just kill it because it's it's like a, this thing of its own now. So then I thought, oh, I didn't, I didn't mean to do this, but I inadvertently built a career for myself. But I'm happy to be here. So now I've had to show up a lot more as, take it a little bit more seriously, or actually a lot more seriously. And I think that it's only been in the past maybe two and a, two, about two years that I've really started to, uh, maybe 18 months, I've really started to realize that. And it's changed the way that I approach the business. And it's made me a lot more, a lot more of a, of a careful student, not just of, you know, becoming popular online, but really like, how does a business work? What are the proper ways to run things? And so now I'm really enjoying learning how to CEO, which is something that I didn't think I was ever interested in before. Before I was interested in like, internet popularity and getting likes and building up an email list. But I didn't really equate that to running a business. I just, I didn't think of it like that. But now I'm like, oh, CEO isn't just a title. Like I think a lot of people in, in the, the fantasy of entrepreneurship say they want to be a CEO and, and they think about that as like being like a mini, a miniature king of some sort. I am the CEO. I'm very important. I make all the important decisions and the buck stops with me. <laughs> you know, like it's just like this thing. It's like saying I'm a dentist. Oh, I'm a CEO. Like, it's a real job and, and, and there are skills you have to learn. It's not just making, it's not just like calling the shots. 
I come in at whatever time I want because I'm the CEO. Like it's not that's has that's completely not what it has to do with. Like there's all these things you have to learn. So now I'm enjoying learning how to fulfill a role that I never thought I'd even want to fulfill before, and that's changed my outlook as a as an adult. Yeah, that's amazing, man. And uh, I was going to say it's been amazing to watch you grow because we kind of started at the same time. You were one of my first online friends. Um, yeah. Never forget our emails. I, I, I found you through <laughs> Under 30 CEO. I followed yep. you. And I was like, oh, this guy seems really cool. And um, I never forget I emailed you. And I was like, oh, man, you know, let's catch up. Let's catch up for a Skype call. And you said, um, what exactly did you want to catch Why? up? Why? In inverted commas, like, what did you actually want to catch up about exactly? <laughs> I don't I know, like, man. <laughs> I was like, man, we're just doing some similar stuff. Let's get online. And then, yeah, we became friends, which was really cool. So it's been awesome to watch each other grow. And we've come a long way, hey? Totally. Yeah. It's been, uh, it's been interesting for sure. Yeah. So, um, that's a really good realization that you've had. Um, can you tell me about the publications piece? Cause this is something I think you're very, very masterful at that our audience can definitely learn about. And you still need to tell us about the book, what you're working on with the book. Um, so uh, I'd love to hear some strategy and thought process cause You've got some big goals and ambitions for that book, and I think people will really get a lot of value from understanding that. So let's talk about the publications piece first because this is something you're extremely masterful at. You've been featured Time, Fortune, every single you know big publication in your market, our market. How can this be applied for someone that wants to be featured in big publications in any market? What are some strategies, maybe top three, that people can take away? Okay, so first of all, I want to make you guys aware of something. There, there are two benefits. Well, there are several benefits, but there are two main benefits to getting featured in these big magazines. So like Nathan said, I've been in pretty much every publication, Inc., Fortune, Forbes, Time, all, all those places, some of them by accident, some of them on purpose. And the first benefit is obvious. There's definitely a benefit for the ego. It feels really good to see your name up there. I mean, no, it's true. It just feels good. It, it, even if it drives no traffic, it just makes you just, oh, so good. I don't know how how uh, how gross I can be on your podcast, but it just gives me a great feeling. So you know, it, it makes me feel really good uh, to to see your name up there. And then you can put the logos on your website, and you're like, I'm a badass. You know, I'm really good, and that's great, and it's impressive to a certain extent. Um, but and, and so and, and it does drive traffic back to your website, which is great. So all that is good. It will help you to Im improve your authority. Uh, you can add it to your pitch when you consult people and all that stuff. And, it, and people search for your name and it comes up. It just looks good. All that's great. But what most people don't consider is that these, these syndications, when you get your, your work published in these, these syndications, it can do the same for you that Facebook would do for you if you spent tens of thousands of dollars on advertising. So a good example of this is Business Insider. There is one article that I wrote for Business Insider called Hacking Elance. Uh, and this wasn't something that I wrote originally for them. It was, and I think the title of it is officially like how I made $24,000 freelancing. This is an article that I wrote back in 2013. Okay. It's 2017 now as you're listening to this. I gave them a repurposed copy of this article that I wrote four years ago. And they are continuing to run this article on Business Insider, on, on Business Insider's social media channels. Yeah. Wow. I gave it in 2015. So they've, they've been running it for two years straight 
And every time they run that article, even though I mentioned Elance in the article, Elance no longer exists. It's called Upwork now. They still run this article on, on Business Insider at least three or four times a year on their Facebook. And every time they run it, it gets like several thousand shares. It gets like hundreds and hundreds of comments. And I've probably, probably gotten 15,000 email subscribers from them. We've made tens of thousands of dollars off of that one article they keep sharing. And that would have cost us a lot of money to run those ads. But when you syndicate, your content, meaning you take your content and you give it to another bigger service provider or another bigger platform, when they share that stuff, it's the same effect as you paying to get it boosted, paying to run an ad to it. Entrepreneur had, I had an article with Entrepreneur last year that got 81.2 thousand shares. That costs money. Wow. On Facebook, that costs money. So that's the thing. Not only is it good for your ego, good for your credibility, great to raise your rates and prove that you're worth something, it makes you money. Yeah, gotcha. So, bro, top three steps on how people can replicate that. First, first thing is um, you got to know which which one you want to pitch first because there's there's like a hierarchy to to how these like how these publications work. So, the first thing is you want to identify what are kind of like the lower tier publications in your market. So, I'm going to talk about entrepreneurship in that market, the business market, but do your own research and figure out where these apply in your market. The first thing is figure out like the bottom the bottom step of the ladder. So for us, that's probably like Huffington Post. The reason why I say Huffington Post or maybe even Elite Daily um, or Thought Catalog, these are kind of like more tangential things. The reason why I put them at the bottom is because although they have a wide, like a well sought out brand name, people know who they are, they're not particularly hard to get into, but they still get some respect. For a beginning writer, being published in Huffington Post is very exciting. And people recognize the name and it will increase your search uh, visibility. So you start with these these smaller, I call them tier one publications. And you can do that just by Google searching. You can type in how to contribute to HuffPo, and it will give you an email address that you email. And there are people that check that email address, and they'll you can submit your articles there. And you're not going to get uh, every article that you that you submit put in. And sometimes you're going to feel like they're ignoring you, so you can keep emailing them. Eventually, they'll get back to you. And if they don't, you find other contributors who have contributed to them and say, hey. Who's, who's the editor? Like, um, do you have a contact for an editor? And you'll find one. It's not hard. Places like Huffington Post, you have to remember, they, they need content. They need you because they make money from content because their content attracts viewers and the viewers create ad dollars. All these, all these businesses, these content platforms make money off of ad revenue. So they need your content probably more than you need them, honestly. Um, so you start off with these tier one, tier, yeah, I would call them tier one uh, publications. And these will give you an initial boost in credibility and show that you can write on a more public stage than just myawesomeblog.com, right? So you do that. And then after a while, after you've gotten a few of those, then you want to move up to tier two. And this is where it starts to get really fun. So tier two, examples of tier two. In our, in our space, entrepreneur is a great tier two. So why is entrepreneur tier two? It's tier two because it's definitely a little bit harder to get into. You're going to have to find individual editors and there's not going to be as much of a contribution like email address to send stuff to so you're going to have to find the editors which you can find them they're, they're all over on twitter you can um you can just look in the bio links of different writers and find the editors they're they're all over the place and when you pitch these these are these outlets unlike places like huffington post which will honestly pretty much take anything they'll as long as it doesn't have like porn in it they'll pretty much take anything that you want to <laughs> give them i mean honestly they can literally take anything Entrepreneur is more selective and you're going to need to impress the editors a bit. But once you get an entrepreneur, 
and you kind of work your way up there. The cool thing about this level is, and this is tip three, that you're going to you're going to have start to have the opportunity to get the viral effect because what most people don't know is that the more you publish on these tier two places, like I would say Entrepreneur is one, you know, Forbes is even a, a considered like a tier two. It's a similar format. This is when you get the opportunity to get syndicated into all these other like really really high level uh, publications. So Entrepreneur and places like them, you know, in different industries is a is a hub where other bigger publications steal content from basically. So Time Magazine, Fortune Magazine, some of these bigger publications that have a lot of credibility and respect will go to Entrepreneur and steal articles from Entrepreneur or they have a partnership agreement. They'll syndicate articles from Entrepreneur and that's how we ended up getting in these top tier magazines because what we did was we contributed every single week to Entrepreneur. This is this is a key. You have to be consistent. We contributed every single week. And every time we contributed an article, it increased our odds of having one of our articles picked up by these bigger sources. And so what we did was we watched our Google Analytics because you never know when you're going to get shared by a big article or by a big, by a big website. But if you watch your Google Analytics, you can see every day where your traffic is coming from. And one day, I saw that traffic was coming from Time Magazine. I was like, holy crap, do I have a, a link from Time? And sure enough, they posted one of my articles from Entrepreneur. So what I did from there was I looked for the editors for Time Magazine. And I'll tell you how to do that in just a second. But I looked for the editors for Time Magazine. And I emailed them and I said, hey, guys, look, you've already published one of my articles from Entrepreneur. So obviously, you guys trust me. Would it be okay if we started a partnership where I submitted a couple articles to you a month and you publish them? And the editor said, sure, we've already published you. Why not? And that's how you build a relationship with these other top tier magazines, because usually they don't accept submissions. Time magazine doesn't accept submissions online. And the way that you can find these these editors, there are a couple tools. One is called Clearbit. Have you heard of it? Yeah, golden. Really, really good. And so you can type in the domain name. Like if you type in founder.com. Uh, you'll see Nathan and a bunch of other people who work at Founder. Or if you type in Time Magazine, it will list employees that work there with their email addresses. And, the, and they have the position that's right next to them. So you can find the editors at those different places. Or if you can't find an editor on Clearbit, they have, if they only have other positions, you can just email pretty much whoever you want from that, from that list of people who work there and say, hey, I'm looking for the contributing editor. Do you know who that might be? And someone in the chain of command will forward you to that person. That's crazy, man. This is this is really really good stuff. So, one question uh, before we move on to talking about your book is, in regards to uh, writing, you know, like, like what do you do there on that on that stage? Like, how do you become a great writer or write good enough stuff? I think that you just have to know uh, who the audience is. So each audience has a different feel. So entrepreneur tends to like more. I would say more thought-provoking pieces, whereas Business Insider likes, here's how I made X amount of dollars. And Time Magazine likes more like um, productivity stuff. So you have to figure out who the unique audience is and then write stuff that they're going to like. Because honestly, um, it works better if you write, if you, if you pitch them pieces that they're already prone to like. You know, With Business Insider, I've written probably 10 pieces that are like, here's how I made X dollars in X time. They just happen to like that. So study who the source is and write for that audience specifically. And man, I got to be honest, like consistency is going to make you a better writer just by writing every day, which is something that I do. But I consider myself an actual writer, not just a marketer. So I enjoy writing. There's a lot of people who don't enjoy writing. And that's fine because 
honestly, the, the writing on some of these outlets is not that great. I mean, it's it's just pretty like even Time Magazine, you'd think it would be like the gold standard of writing. And it's just OK. Like, I think my writing is good, but you don't have to be an expert writer in order to get your articles in these places. They're not expecting that. Mm, OK, awesome. Um, yeah, because I know that's something that people might be thinking. Now, this makes a great transition towards uh, a great and amazing body of work that uh, you've actually, I've been lucky enough to be featured in. Mm-hmm. Uh, first chapter. Uh, yeah, first chapter, uh, Rich 20-something, the book. So mm-hmm. talk to us about that, uh, where people can go to find out more about it and strategies. Uh, um, I think people would like to know strategies around how you're launching it. Do you have a goal to be New York Times bestseller. So number one, New York Times bestseller. Number one, New York Times bestseller. So tell us about that, man. I where to start? Um, you know what's interesting, man? It's uh, there's so long I've been either wanting to write a book, which is you know pretty much my whole life, or in the process of writing the book, or waiting to get the book. And now for a few weeks, I've had a copy of the book, and it feels really surreal to have a physical copy of something that was in your head for a few years. And it's interesting as a creator to see something uh, that you've done come to life. It's like, it's like having a child, man. It's like, it's like having a child, um, especially since like I wrote the whole thing. I, there was no, there was no ghostwriter. I didn't have any help. Like I had, we had, we had editors obviously, but it's completely mine. And um, so it's very cool and very surreal. And um, you know, I think, I think like the first thing that, is going to be a big, a big help for us is that spent the last few years building relationships, not with the intention of having those relationships help me with the book, just doing it. I think one, because that's my personality and two, because I knew one day I might need help with something. And it just so turns out that, um, just happens to turn out that now, since I've been just making friends with people online and in my community and you know, whether they're readers of my work or other influencers in the space, after four or five years of building this up, there are, there's a good community of people around the world, literally around the world, who want to see this book be successful. And I'm realizing now how many people it takes to have a successful book launch. It takes a lot of, I mean, you know this, you totally know this. It takes a, it takes a lot of, like, I, have to, I feel like I have to pick up the earth and move it over one inch. <laughs> you know, like pick it up and set it down one inch. To the right. That's kind of what launching this book feels like, um, because it takes a lot of a lot of coordination with, with people. The writing of the book is the fun and the creative part, where you get to indulge your struggle and say, "Oh, I'm an author. This is so hard." No, no, no. That was the easy part. The hard part is getting people to to pay attention to it, just like with any product. Um, so, some of the strategies we're doing. The first thing is we're taking a multifaceted approach to this. What most people don't know is that in order to get on the New York Times bestseller list. You can't just sell a bunch of copies on Amazon. You have to sell, you have to distribute the, the sales across multiple different sales channels and you have to have a, a varied approach. So we have a whole list of podcasts that we're either going to appear on or we're pitching. We have a whole list of influencers on social media that are going to help us to put up images and pictures or social media posts about it. We have a whole group of people who are going to email out about the book to us, for us. We have a whole list of universities that we're approaching um, that, we're, that I'm looking to speak at. We have other uh, partnerships with organizations and all this stuff took a lot of time. And so what I'm doing now is I'm taking the last four or five years, pretty much everyone that I've affected positively and saying, look, I have one thing to ask of you. Uh, and it's that you help me with this book. And, um, it's taken a lot of time to get up the courage to start asking people, but 
now I'm starting to see that it's been a it's been a good idea to build friendships over the years because without those I wouldn't be able to do this. Yeah, gotcha. And would you be interested, and I'm putting you on the spot, doing something awesome for our audience? Do you want to do a giveaway, competition? I think that, that would work well. Yeah, man. You know, there's something actually we should do. I'm going to, what I'll do is I'll do, uh, let's make a web page. I'm going to make a special page. It's rich27.com slash founder. And what we'll do is we'll make a special, a special giveaway for your audience. We're giving away a bunch of cool things. So when you buy the book, we're going to automatically enter you into onto our bonus list. We're giving away access to our courses, access to our flagship courses, which are all over $1,000. We're giving away MacBook Pros. We're doing private masterminds with me around the country and around the world and a bunch of other prizes. So go to rich27.com slash founder to look at all the bonuses. We got them all stacked up for you. You're really going to like that. And not only that, but if you're if you're following Nathan's stuff on Instagram and or, or like if you're reading his email list and you're watching this type of stuff right now and you purchase the book, send me a screenshot of your purchase and I will increase the tickets that you have into the raffle and we'll go from there. Awesome. So it's rich20.com forward slash founder, F-O-U-N-D-R, right? Yeah, rich20something.com slash founder. Yeah, rich20something.com forward slash founder. Awesome. Man, well, look, we'll work towards wrapping up. Um, man, this has been a great podcast, great conversation, ton of gold shared. If people want to find out more about you, where else can they go? Well, first place is rich20something.com slash book. That's where you can get the book, and uh, when you send me a screenshot, I'll enter you on the bonus list. And then just look, richswingsummit.com, and I wanted, to, I wanted to leave you guys with something. Um, I think that a lot, of, a lot of us who are listening to this right now, especially in the beginning phases of our entrepreneurship and our, and our, our journey, probably are, are unsure about how realistic it is that you're going to be successful. And I, can't, I cannot stress enough how important it is to have other friends on this journey. The way that I think about entrepreneurship, and I think I've shared this example with you before, it's kind of like high school classes. I would say every one to three years, there's a new group of people who are beginning this journey in every different space. So for us, we're kind of in the education course and other type of space. Uh, But every industry has this. It's super important that you find out who else is doing what you're doing around the same time that you're starting because those are the people that you're going to come up with and those are the people that are going to help you connect you to other people who can spread the message and this isn't about competition guys like there is certainly a competitive aspect to entrepreneurship but mostly the successful people are collaborators so don't don't put a lot of thought into like how to hack into networks just start actually meeting people and you'll see how far you'll go i can i can trace back to the success I've had over the past few years, making millions of bucks and having getting a book deal and having all these awesome experiences, I can trace back maybe five or seven key connections that have led to everything else. And without those, I wouldn't have had some of the huge wins I've had. So if you're going to focus on one thing outside of actually building the business, focus on that. Love it. Awesome, man. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been an awesome conversation. And like I said, it's been amazing um, just uh, being on this journey with you, man. Um, uh, so, yeah, we've, we've become great friends. I look forward to hanging out in L.A. in a couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, Ooh, thanks you for my your podcast, time, man. man. In studio. In studio. That's what I like. Thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content 
either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.